Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Field Notes. Field Notes brand USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrand.com or 400 North May for more information. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. I'm Eric Garneau, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories. Today's episode is part one of the theme, Kids Again, suggested and co-curated by our friends from Peaches and Hot Sauce, a fantastic comedy production group in Chicago, who joined us to share their tales this episode. In addition to hearing from their own Zach Mass, Carly Garber, and Patrick Winnegar this week, you'll get stories from the Nerdalogs' Mary Beth Smith, plus returning favorite and friend of the group, Chris Crotwell. Uh, if you're listening to the show, I'm guessing you're probably a fan of it, and if you're a fan, hey, why don't you come to the next live recording? That is Sunday, October 18th at the Sum Office Theater, 1917 North Elston Avenue in Chicago. We'll be joined by guests from the Match 3 video game podcast and plenty of other cool folks. And given our new weekly release schedule, this is the first year we can actually record and release a relevant Halloween episode. So the theme for the 18th is Horror Stories. Uh, if that makes you think of something you want to share, email yourstories at nerdalogs.com for consideration. Otherwise, don't forget to listen to other Nerdalogs podcasts, like Talking Games every Tuesday, MBSing every Wednesday, and The Catch-Up every Thursday, and definitely support our sponsors for this episode, Field Notes, as well as the whole Chicago Podcast Co-op, because it's great. Uh, that's all I've got for now, guys, so enjoy the show! Anyway, so... The theme tonight, as suggested by our guests in Peaches and Hot Sauce, is Kids Again. And here is how we took that with the music we're about to play. These are all songs by uh, children of famous musicians. So we're going to have Jim and Claire up first. This is a song we did a long time ago. This is in our Best of 2013 show. Uh, and we played it, and I fucked it up, so it never got released on, on uh, the podcast. So someone who's better than me is going to play it now. in vain we jumped never asking why we kissed I fell under your spell a love no one could deny don't 
don't you ever say I just walked away I will always love you I can't live a lie Running for my life I will always want you I came in like a wrecking ball I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break your walls All you ever did was And now you're not coming down It slowly turned you left me burning now Ashes on the ground Don't you ever say I just walk away I will always want you I can't live a lie Running for my life I will always want you I came in like a wrecking ball hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break your walls All you ever did was wreck me I came in like a wrecking ball Yeah, I just closed my eyes and swung Let me crash in in a blazing fall All you ever did was wreck me Yeah, yeah, you To start a war, I just wanted you to let me in. And instead of using force, I guess I should have let you in. I never meant to start a war, I just wanted you to let me in. Guess I should have let you Don't you ever say I just walk away I will always want you I came in like a wrecking ball I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break your walls All you ever did was wreck me I came in like a wrecking ball Yeah, I just closed my heart In a blazing fall All you ever did was Wreck me Yeah, yeah, you You wreck me You, you wrecked me For the record, I picked that <laughs> Jay picked that That was, of course, by Billy Ray Montana <laughs> so this next song is uh, by the son of a 60s jazz guitarist by the name of Don Cherry. And that last name should be a pretty big giveaway. Not a lot of people with the last name Cherry. The song has the same four chords in it throughout, so watch me do fancy things with this. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And close the curtains Cause 
All we need Candlelight You and me And a bottle of wine Hold you tonight oh, Well we know I'm going away And how I wish I wish it weren't so Take this wine And drink with me Let's delay our misery It burns like me for you Tomorrow comes with one desire Take me away, it's true It ain't easy to say goodbye Darling, please don't start to cry Cause girl, you know I got to go Oh, Lord, I wish it wasn't so bunch of storytellers here tonight. You're not just here to listen to us. I know I know how much that must pain you. Uh, our first gentleman up is a wonderful storyteller. Uh, God, I'm just so stoked that he is here tonight. Uh, I don't think he's told a story for like nine months, so it's about damn time that we get Chris Crotwell back. Chris Crotwell! Hey, everybody. Um, sometimes I feel like I peaked in the fifth grade. Uh, it was absolutely the height of my life for lots of reasons. I was the anchor of the Chelsea Elementary News. That was fantastic. Um, six didn't exist yet, which is really great, actually. Um, I was really, really curious and fearless, and mostly what I missed, though, is that I can't fit in any of the good places to read anymore. Um, I love that house that I lived in then, and uh, my favorite place to read inside was in the bottom of the linen closet. Because you could pull all the towels and, and sheets out, crawl in, pull them back, close the door. I'm fucking invisible. <laughs> I can 
I can read all day. Doesn't matter. My favorite place to read, though, was in a giant shrub. We had a picture window in the kitchen, uh, and there was this 14-foot shrub right outside of it. It's where the hummingbird feeders lived. They would fruit these little berries every year that would ferment on the shrub, and then every day birds would get drunk and just kill themselves in our picture window. But, which was really grim every time when I was little. You see thud, and just blood and feathers. And I used to sit. I used to climb up in it. We had the, the lot in the middle of the subdivision on a hill. And from up there, I could see everything. I was a little king. It was my favorite place to read. And I remember the last day I ever got to sit in that shrub and read a book. I was reading Clive Barker's The Thief of Always, uh, which is great. His children's books are actually the best things he's written. I recommend them highly, much more so than the intensely homoerotic horror, uh, which I started reading too early because I thought they were all kids' books. <laughs> but they're not. They're not. They're just fucking damaged now. Um, I remember the last time I was ever sitting in that tree, and the weather was starting to turn, and I loved the book, and uh, then I heard a, heard a crack. And I just sort of hung in the air for a minute like Wiley e. Coyote and fell 13 feet, landed flat on my chest. And I vividly recall it was the first time I ever remembered having the wind knocked out of me. I couldn't breathe for a few seconds. Turns out later I'd fractured two ribs. But the first thought I had was, fuck, Mom's going to be so mad I broke her tree. So no glasses. I grabbed the tree limb and I drug it like a mile and a half out into the woods, hoping that she wouldn't notice that the tree was differently shaped than it had been, but it was all for naught, because she found me in the game room, sitting in a big wicker chair, uh, just crying. She said, what's wrong? And I said, I can't find my glasses. I broke your tree. I'm sorry. (laughs) She didn't care, because moms don't. Um... But that was the last time I could ever sit in that tree because I just got too damned big. Uh, I didn't fit in the bottom of the linen closet either. I couldn't hide in the dryer, which was a very dangerous place to hide. My mom hated that I did that and just had nightmares about accidentally cooking me to death. Uh, But it was cozy in there. I was weird. Um, We don't live in that house anymore. My parents moved right when I got to college, so, you know really can't go home again. Uh, it's not our house. And even though I can't fit in the tree or in the bottom of the linen closet, I'd like to, except strangers probably wouldn't take kindly to finding a bearded man reading children's books in the bottom of their linen closet <laughs> or sitting in the tree outside their picture outside of their picture window during breakfast. Imagine that would really, really uh, not give me the warmest reception. Is we can't be kids again, right? I can't go back. Can't go home again. Can't be a kid again. I don't really fit on the back of a couch right anymore. <laughs> you know, you can't get in the coziest place for naps. Chicago does not have that many trees that are good for climbing, <laughs> believe it or not. I've tried. There's not a lot out there. But it's okay, because now I have my own story room that's mine, and I get a budget to decorate it however I fucking want to. And I just get to be a goof for a living. Just entertain toddlers, infants, and children for a living. And every once in a while, I get to put a book in a kid's hand 
and wink at him and say, hey, man, find somewhere special to read this. It makes all the difference in the world. Glad your mother didn't cook you to death in the dryer. Does it really get that hot in there? I thought it was like an oxygen thing. Like no, no, you can't breathe. It wouldn't turn on. It certainly wouldn't tumble. I weighed a solid 30, 40 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It probably, probably wouldn't tumble. I guess we'll never know, guys. We'll never know. Uh, so we have a bunch of guests here from Peaches and Hot Sauce tonight. They are, are one. Yeah. Indeed, they're an awesome comedy production group here in Chicago. They do podcast videos. Uh, super, super great. This next gentleman was here when we did a, a show with him last February. We did a fan fiction show with Peaches and Hot Sauce. He told a great story about uh, speed running through life as though it were a video game and how you shouldn't do that. Uh, this is Zach Mass. Oh, thanks, Eric. I should mention, uh, in fifth grade... We had like a little class yearbook and it said like, what's your favorite song? And I said, save tonight. Because yeah. it was on the radio. And I didn't learn until about last year that Eagle Eye Cherry is not the name of a band, it's the name of a man. <laughs> and my I, my childhood was ruined. No, it's a very cool name. Very cool name. Uh, hi, guys. Um... So as a kid, I liked a lot of nerdy things. Uh, I loved to read, and I loved playing video games. I traded Pokemon cards. I thought Aerosmith was a cool band. Uh, but there's one thing I never really got into, and that's comics. Uh, I remember flipping through a few X-Men comics in my brother's room, but I don't remember which ones. Uh, besides, they were too complicated. Uh, their time travel and all that. I preferred the X-Men on TV, where the funny Cajun man did magic tricks and waved a stick around. Uh, I was too young to appreciate the nuance, maybe. Uh, I think I may have read an issue or two of Richie Rich. Uh, they even gave that one a full movie adaptation, but at the time I wrote it off as a poor man's blank check. <laughs> Uh, by the time I was 12, the comic I read most voraciously was Garfield. Don't ask me how I got out of that phase with a sense of humor intact, because I didn't. I still don't know what a joke is. Let me try telling you a joke. <clears throat> In second grade, I told a teacher that Jim Davis was my hero. No, wait, that really happened. I don't know what jokes are. Uh, all this is to say, I've never gotten what comics are all about. Uh, in college, my friends geeked out over Ex Machina and The Watchmen, whereas I lacked even a basic understanding of the Marvel Universe. Which really put me behind in college, because that was when the assault on our collective wallets, known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really took off. I loved Iron Man. I, th I thought it was funny and slightly directed and simple. Uh, Spider-Man 2, great. He fights an evil octopus man. I'm on board. <laughs> the Dark Knight was a little in-depth, but it was a great movie. Easy to follow and thematically cohesive. I love it. Then they started the damn Avengers. <laughs> Look, if you like the Avengers, that's cool. <laughs> it's all your favorite characters together at last. But as a guy who's not well-versed in the graphic canon of Marvel, let me tell you that The Avengers is a total incoherent shit show. <laughs> I saw Age of Ultron on opening weekend, and people behind me went wild, 
and every slice of fan service dangled over their mouths. Which is great, because those fans deserve to see millionaires cosplaying as their favorite characters. (laughs) But Marvel Studios forgot to make an actual movie. It it sucks. Uh, When Vision came on screen, I had no idea who he was, and furthermore, I had no reason to care. Look, nostalgia is a wonderful feeling, but Marvel movies aren't nostalgia. They're references. It's hard to feel like a kid again when you're scratching your head over who this boring asshole with the red face is floating on your IMAX screen. The best kind of nostalgia is the kind that taps into some universal experience of childhood. And not everyone's lucky enough to have a floating red asshole as a father. I was. Uh, But movies that tap into a universal experience of nostalgia are what we call art. So it's unfair to hold the Marvel movies to that standard. I suppose if you had read the comics, Avengers Age of Ultron didn't really suck. It might have actually been pretty fun. But it's nothing compared to the fun I had at Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. There weren't many, many people there. But my second grade teacher was losing her shit. All right, thank you. Thank you, Zach. As a, as a comic aficionado, I do have to agree. I thought Age of Ultron was pretty substandard. But have you watched Daredevil on Netflix? Uh, no, Dude, no. it is amazing. Like, it's so good. I think the Marvel Netflix shows are going to put the movies to shame, honestly. Except Cap 2. Cap 2 is fucking great. Anyway, that's enough of me talking about this shit. We have more speakers from Peaches and Hot Sauce. Coming up next, Carly Garber. Uh, hi. Uh, so recently I uh, went to my mom's house, which is really close by, uh, and I looked through all of her crap that is like from when I'm a kid, and... I found a diary that I had when I was, like, in third or fourth grade. Um, and it says confidential on the front, and then there's a giant picture of myself. <laughs> uh, and as I was reading the stories, I was realizing that I, it's much more embarrassing as an adult to reread what you were thinking and feeling and writing, taking the time to write about at that age. And so I wrote myself a few responses to my diary entries, um, and I'm going to read them for you now. <laughs> and sorry if I don't look at you because they're on my phone. <laughs> Dear Carly, this is in response to a diary entry wrote November 2nd, 1999, titled Drugs Are Bad. <laughs> First off, I'd like to clarify that marijuana is spelled M-A-R-I-J-U-A-N-A, not M-A-R-A-G-A-E-W-A-N-A. Second, it seems as though you're not the best speller in your fourth grade class, as you may have thought, and maybe you should have been a little less cocky that year. I'd also like to point out, you're being a huge hypocrite. Um, why, um, sorry. Um, yes, I know it was a bit shocking to find out your best friend Kevin's older brother, Zach, smokes weed on the reg. Um, but why you're just a mere four ways from trying it, four years away from trying it yourself. The first of many times, I might add. And let's be honest. You won't even do it with much dignity either. Your friend John will ask you if you're going to toke up or not, dude. And you'll you'll immediately cave in the light peer pressure. You'll pretend to inhale from a makeshift pipe that's actually just a hollowed out pen. 
and you'll do it on a playground. <laughs> the irony of being in such a childlike setting while doing a drug won't even phase you remotely, and you'll go on your merry way pretending to be so stoned, dude, for the next two hours. And honestly, I think uh, on the page, a huge drawing of a joint with an X in front of it and a no-smoking sign is a bit much. <laughs> I'll argue you should be more a bit more concerned when Kevin shows you his brother's secret porn stash. With love and concern, yourself in 15 years. <laughs> Dear Carly, this is in response to a diary entry you wrote, dated January 26, 2001, titled with just three drawn-out hearts. <laughs> I hate to break this to you, but Scott L. doesn't have a crush on you. Aww. Nor will he ever. <laughs> Furthermore, you're embarrassing yourself every time you tell a new girl in the fifth grade class because secretly one of them is telling him, and he's made it his business to stay far away from you. <laughs> Sure. Your best friend Natalie said he looked sympathetic when he found out you vomited all over the girl's bathroom after eating bad cheese. (laughs) But who wouldn't? And I know he's cute right now with his blonde hair spiked up with gel on the front like Ricky Martin. But one day day you'll end up going to the same college, and he'll be nothing more than a beer-bellied business student, and Ricky Martin will be happily homosexual. (laughs) Maybe you should pay more attention to the soft-spoken computer nerd, Mitch C., who sits in the back. Or the short chubby Micah B., who will one day attend rabbinical school. Boy, wouldn't that make your mother happy. (laughs) If there's one thing you should take away from this, it's that your best friend Natalie came up with a brilliant little tune to your crush on Scott L. that will forever be stuck in your head, even as an adult. And it goes like this. Washington, Washington Avenue. Carly moved there and her dreams come true. Across the street from you know who? Washington, Washington Avenue. Hoping you take my advice yourself in 14 years. (laughs) Dear Carly, this is in response to a diary entry you wrote dated December 2nd, 2004, titled, I Hate Everything. (laughs) I would first advise you to stop crying on the pages because the pen has smeared, although I'm sure you're just doing it for the dramatic effect. Well, I know you're doing it for the dramatic effect, and and you should stop because it's super obnoxious. (laughs) Second, I want to tell you that one day your bat mitzvah won't matter at all. Not even the ugly t-shirts your mom ordered in extra, extra large for all of your friends. Be excited you chose an original theme of SNL, live with Carly at Saturday night. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry your mom can't afford to have more friends invited, invited, but let's be honest, did you really have more to invite? You should be much more worried that your best friend is dating your crush, and you'll find out during a slow dance with your friend Christian. He'll look you right in the eye and say, Carly... I can't lie to you on your bat mitzvah. John and Natalie are dating. It'll feel like someone hit your stomach with a hammer, but know that one day Natalie will still be your best friend and John will be balding and married with two children. (laughs) But mostly know that you'll never see a dime of any of that money everyone gave you because it went to paying for the party. You'll resent your mother for that until further notice. With love and sadness, yourself in 11 years. Thank you. Thank you, Carly. I don't suppose you want to like let us upload the actual diary entries. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, at least the cover. I, I just want to see the cover. Confidential. Yeah. All right, guys. We have one more speaker from Peaches and Hot Sauce. This half. This gentleman, to my mind, is the second person from Alabama on stage tonight. This yeah. is a dangerous ratio. Uh, for ex uh, Nerdalogs member roommate of Chris Geiger, this is Patrick Winnegar. <laughs> Hey, uh, so one thing that the theme uh, kind of brought to my mind, as well as this time of year, is how much I loved haunted houses when I was a little kid. 
And even though I grew up in a pretty smallish city in East Alabama, we had a lot of really great options. There was uh, the JCs would rent out uh, this abandoned strip mall, and it was really scary. Uh, there was a haunted hayride that always had these really f- totally false middle school rumors that someone died during it. <laughs> and when I was 11, uh, me and some neighbor kids even made our own haunted house. And after five years of bombing and improv sets, that is the production that I am the most ashamed of. (laughs) But when I was in eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, there was rumors of this really terrifying haunted house somewhere way out in the county in this place called Smith Station. And I naturally really wanted to go. And finally we convinced uh, me and some friends of mine from church, we convinced... Uh, one of their moms to drive us out there and it was a long drive through this pine woods total pitch blackness and finally we get to a corrugated iron warehouse with no windows and I'm thinking that's a great sign (laughs) we get inside and keep in mind this is the middle of nowhere it's packed huge line I'm like that's another good sign and there's a big spooky banner with like horror movie blood dripping font that just says hell house awesome I'm on board this is great (laughs) Finally, we get to the end of the line, and this dude in a black robe is opening uh, the door to the rest of the warehouse, and I'm pumped. You know, I'm ready to get my skin ripped off by Freddy Krueger. I'm ready for Jason to jump out of the bushes, and I'm, I'm ready for a community college theater student to chase me with a blunted hatchet. But we get to the first scene, and none of that happens. We get to the first scene, and it's just these two women sitting at, like, a restaurant table, and one of them is sobbing, and she's saying... I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm too young to have a baby. And the other the other woman says, Hey, some of you know where this is going. The other woman says, It's okay. You can always get an abortion. And I'm like, What the fuck kind of haunted house is this? That was it. That was the scene. And we just go, the, This... Uh, this guy in the black robe is like telling us about the wages of sin and his death or something and we're like what are you talking about we all these scenes about kids drinking or doing drugs or having premarital sex and it wasn't scary at all there were no undead people there were no escaped inmates but admittedly the next scene they took us to was terrifying the guy's alone in a room uh he's drunk and he's talking about how he's depressed and he reaches for a cap gun, and I hear an audible gasp from all the other customers around me, and it goes pitch black, you hear a gunshot, spooky red lights come up, and there's fake brains and blood all over the wall. And I was looking to get scared. To be fair, I came here to be terrified. And I'm 13 years old, and I just saw a simulated suicide, and I'm wondering what the fuck I just witnessed. The final room... Uh, the, the black robe guys, you know, he's going on about sin, and then they lead us to this final room, and there's a stage, and it's got these, uh, orange streamers coming out of a fan. I guess it was supposed to be Hellfire, and there were people kneeling, and there, you know, the woman that had the abortion is, you know, why did I kill my child or something? And the guy that killed himself is like, why did I do that? And, uh, the devil comes out, the fucking devil comes out, and he's like, this is what happens when you do not follow Christ. <laughs> and that was it. But it wasn't the final room. They open the, the door to the next room, and there's very brightly lit. There's card tables everywhere, and there are adults uh, sitting there with notepads and children on the other side uh, weeping. And the people that I came with bolt 
they go right to the exit, and I'm led to sit down in front of this very uh, pleasant uh, middle-aged woman, and there's a card with questions in front of me, and I'm thinking, this must be a survey. It is not a survey. (laughs) It is an invitation to the most awkward conversation that I've ever had in my life, because the first thing that she asked me is, oh... How did you like the haunted house? And I'm 13, so I just look at the floor and say, oh, I don't know. And then she asks if I was scared. And I tell her that, oh, well, you know, I thought the suicide part was pretty messed up. And <laughs> if I had an understanding of the context, uh, concept of poor taste at this point, I'm sure I would have said that. But then she asks me, are you saved? I should point out at this point, uh, I'm Roman Catholic. And uh, in most parts of the country, that's not a big deal. But in a Baptist-themed haunted house in the middle of the woods in East Alabama, it is a huge disadvantage. Uh, So I tell her, I don't know what saved means because I don't. And she uh, then asks, well, do you know for sure if you're going to heaven? And I say, no, I don't know that for sure because I don't. And... Uh, so it, this kind of goes on for a while and I try to find some common ground. You know, I was like, well, I I was confirmed last year. Does that count? I'm told that it does not. And (laughs) in order to avoid the, uh, simulated, uh, orange streamers of hellfire, uh, I have to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I don't know what that means. Uh, because that was never covered in CCD. So I've been sitting here for 10 minutes, and this lady will not let me go until she's certain that my soul is safe. Finally, the adult that drove us comes and pulls me away. We pile into the van, and we drive back home to Opelika. And as a kid, I felt really cheated because, you know, I wanted to be scared. And I thought that meant being chased by zombies and, like, getting splattered with fake blood. But I realize now that what I got was real true terror. It was it was an adult fear that sticks with me to this day. And that fear is being trapped in a room with a stranger who won't let you out until you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. So looking back, I can say that 13-year-old me was totally wrong. That was the scariest fucking haunted house I have ever been to in my life. Thank you. Hell is real. Good night. Bless you, bless you, Mr. Winnegar. Man, I don't know if it's still up there, but uh, there was this documentary on Netflix called Hell House that is really interesting and, and horrifying. Yeah, it's all about that. The thing about it is that those institutions are so earnest. Like, those people believe so much in what they're doing. It's, it's like, hard to hate on that, but it's also, like, really, really terrifying. Um, so we have one speaker left this half. She's going to tell a story and then uh, maybe some music from the Nerdalogs, Mary Beth Smith. She got a hat with a bird on it. Yeah, California waterfowl. Just trying to uh, raise awareness that they exist. Uh, uh, oh, uh, quick pre-story. I saw um, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, in the only movie theater that was in my hometown because I was babysitting for these three kids and... Uh, their dads left me some money to take them to the movie theater 
Uh, I immediately fell asleep as the movie started and woke up right as it ended. The kids loved it, and I drove them home, and it was a pretty sweet gig. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I like that movie better than Age of Ultron 2. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Age of Ultron. I don't know. I just assume. Anyway, uh, I recently uh, have found myself a lot more in touch with my kid side by uh, hanging out with my brother's son, Ian. Um, he's three years old, and uh, I've also found myself more in touch with my brother as a result of uh, wanting to be a part of Ian's life. Um, my brother is five years my elder, and he kind of nailed the whole, like, meet the love of your life in college, move to a new city together after both earning multiple degrees, wait a year and a half, get engaged, wait a year and a half, get married, wait a year and a half, build a house, wait a year and a half, have a kid, wait a year and a half, have another kid. Storyline. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, I just passed the five year mark in Chicago and I cannot foresee a time in my life when I am not a renter. Um, <laughs> uh, but Ian, uh, that's what this is about. He is a dream. He's really smart and uh, funny and he, he's such a little shit um, because he's adorable and he knows he can get away with it. Um, and. Uh, it's it's hard because I don't get to see him too often. Uh, about uh, twice a year or so since he was born, um, mostly due to boring adult things like time and energy and money. Um, but when I do get to see him, it helps me remember what it's like to be a kid again. Uh, being perfectly fine with things like watching Cars 2 <laughs> twice in two days. Uh <laughs> I can remember so specifically a lot of his firsts uh, where he and I are concerned, him calling me by name, uh, him saying I love you at the end of a visit. Um, t- he teach me the, uh, or he taught me the uh, <laughs> hot dog dance from the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, uh, which I don't know if you guys are familiar, but pretty, pretty hot. <laughs> um, the last time I visited, I got to return the favor by teaching him the kangaroo song from Big Daddy. Do you remember this? <laughs> I like as I started to sing it. I was like, "Am I gonna have to censor this?" No, this is like a real kid song, right? Yeah, I'm a singing kangaroo, and I come from far away. I like to hop, hop, hop all day. If you'd like to come and play, uh, we'll hop, 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 hop. What do you say? And he loved it. Um, so, and he like asked me to sing it a bunch of times, just like they do in the movie, and it was hilarious. Like, it was so fun to share this dumb thing that I liked as a kid with him. Um, uh, so, this is uh, not that song. I'll, I'll save you guys from that. Go watch Big Daddy to remember how good that song is. Uh, but this is a song I used to associate with um, leaving people like high school and college friends, but now it kind of makes me uh, think of Ian and his new little sister and their parents a lot. Um, I think as we get older, our relationships with people change, uh, and savoring our youth um, kind of becomes more about savoring the time we get to spend with the people that we love. Um, if Eric wouldn't mind joining me, that would be great. Oh, good. We're sitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, who stands to sing? Rock stars? <laughs> Not rock and roll unless you're sitting down. <laughs> One time I got yelled at for standing up at a Billy Joel concert. Really? Yeah. Uh, I know. Well. Now, Billy Billy Joel is rock and roll. <laughs> and He's still rock and roll to me. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. How did you tell that joke under so much pressure? <laughs> 
<laughs> that was very good too. Yeah. yeah, that's a deeper cut. Still a single though. Shot through with adrenaline to fire up my excited heart. Help me believe in myself and get the starter to start. Fifteen burning balls of fire in ten days since we left. No one understands me like the whiskey on my breath. It's ten minutes till showtime. Baby, stop your crying. Cause everybody knows why. There's just no time out. See you later, see you soon. See you later, alligator. I will see you in the moon. See you soon. See you later, alligator. I will see you in the moon. Suicide clubs on a mission because they hate their jobs and other guys. Everything's tougher than it has to be. Another cliche from the wise. Somewhere east of that solo and a little bit west of the bridge was the singular kind of moment that you remember as long as you live. And sometimes, just before showtime, I swear I might end up crying. Letting go of my fears, my landlords. That's the difference between living and dying. See you later, see you soon. See you later, alligator. I will see you in the moon. See you later, see you soon. See you later, alligator. I will see you in the moon. We'd pretend to be pirates and talk about starting a band. But the older that we got, the more that we forgot that greed and treasure go hand in hand. And I'll see you later, see you soon, see you later, alligator. I always say, see you later, see you soon, maybe on some sunny day, see you later, see you soon, little button, I will try to get home soon, I will try to get home soon. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like your stories, you might also enjoy making new friends. Each week, Pat invites new and old friends into a studio where anything can happen. Former guests include murderers, ghosts, milkmen, centaurs, and the nice fellow who lives down the street. Making new friends comes from our friends at Peaches and Hot Sauce. You can learn more at chicagopodcastcoop.com. 
This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.